morning folks. We're going to open up the Bible together now. I've got my iron brew, I'm winning at life. I've got my coffee, I've got a little drinks table here, I've got some snacks. Um, so we're looking at John 21. We've been looking at words that Jesus has spoke uh, while here on earth. And Steve is going to read John 21 verse 1 to 14. So uh, over to you, Steve. Today's reading is from John chapter 21 verses 1 to 14. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go too. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did it, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round him, for he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there, with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Steve, for that. Uh, we are at the moment going on lots of walks, as is the case in this last couple of months of lockdown. And uh, now that, that traffic is a little bit more busier, or well, even before then, we're making sure with Joshua and Stroon they know how to cross the road. We've had a couple of hairy moments, scary moments, hairy moments. We've had a couple of scary, hairy moments where we've had to kind of grab them, pull them back and just let them know uh, how to cross the road, what we need to do, what we need to look out for. And it reminded me of uh, an occasion when I was 10 years old. And I, I was running, and if any of you have seen me running, it's not a pretty sight, even at 10 years old. It's just all arms and legs everywhere. But I was running uh, to get my tea. I knew that I needed to be home for tea time. And we had this big park right across the road from the house. And so I was sprinting. And I didn't even look as I crossed the road. And as I crossed the road, a car was zooming up uh, towards me. 
and I, I nearly got run over. The car slammed on its brakes, it beeped its horn, the driver wound down his windows, and it was like that moment, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Home Alone, where uh, the, the burglars are coming down the driveway and Kevin stops and the car comes right up to his nose. It's kind of like, ah! and it's, it was kind of like that. There was centimeters between me and the car, me and being hit. And the, the driver uh, put down his window, started shouting and swearing at me. My mom, who heard it from the house, came out and uh, she was making sure I was okay. Adrenaline was pumping through me and uh, I was really shocked. I was really shocked. But from that moment, I've always tried to be a bit more aware when I was crossing the road. And I remembered what I, I learned at, at primary school around stop, look, listen, think. Stop, look, listen, think. Do you remember that guidance? Maybe some of you who are watching this morning do. Now, now I'm doing the same with Joshua and Struan as, they, as I take them out on walks, as we walk to school, as we go out uh, on our walks each day. There's a song on YouTube to do with road safety that goes one, two, three, four, five, here's how to arrive alive. And that doesn't beat around the bush. That's pretty, uh, it's pretty clear. And our vision as a church is that we would be a place where people come alive. We would love, uh, I would love to use this same principle, stop, look, listen, think, this strap line for our walks with Jesus in relation to this passage. So uh, we have four points this morning and we're gonna delve right into them. I hope it's a blessing, I hope it encourages you, and I, I hope that, that God speaks in this season. So first of all, stop. If we were to place ourselves in the disciples' shoes for a moment, or their sandals, if life is a roller coaster, is that a Ronan, I think it might be a Ronan Keating song, but if life is a roller coaster, they are riding it right now in relation to this passage, as are many of us right now in lockdown in the middle of a pandemic. Let me run through some of the disciples' recent journeys at this particular time. The last few days for these guys have been pretty emotional. In the space of a week, so seven days, they've had the absolute high of Palm Sunday, Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Then they've had the despair of Good Friday, seeing their friend, Jesus, their leader, Jesus being hung on that cross, seeing him die a gruesome death. And then we have his resurrection. We have him miraculously rising from the dead, the empty tomb, and him uh, no longer being in that tomb. So it's a bit zigzaggy. If you think of the disciples' journey at that point, they would have been physically and emotionally spent. Sometime fishing might have been just what the doctor had ordered at that particular time, given their ordeal of the last few weeks. Now, I'm sure if we think about life being a roller coaster, I'm sure the last three months or so have taken its toll on all of us in some sort of way. It might be in relation to our jobs, it might be our mental health, it might be our home life, it might be parenting, it might be living in isolation. I know that I have had those struggles over the last 12 13 weeks or so. I've had good days and bad days, quick days and slow days. And we see with the disciples here in this passage, we see a stop moment. We see a stop moment. It's important to stop. It's important to take time out of our weeks or a stressful, painful season and visit those things which bring us 
peace and joy and fill us up. And the proviso that these things are life-giving and are not the opposite to what Jesus calls us into. They don't draw us away from Jesus. And some of us here who are watching this morning just need to hear the word slow and stop. Some of us just stop to take a breath. And as I speak with my Glaswegian twang and 100 miles an hour, we're going to do that. I'd love to pray right now. Maybe where you are, just take a deep breath. Lord, wherever we are, will you still our hearts right now? You are with us right now. Will you come into the quiet, into the peace, into this moment of stop? Thank you for your goodness that is unfailing. Thank you for your provision. Help us to learn how to stop in our day-to-days. Amen. So I wonder how that first uh, point, how that works in our weeks right now. Perhaps your work is just as busy. Perhaps life at home feels a bit suffocating just now. For perhaps you're feeling hemmed in. Look for stop moments. Rest and recreation is so important. And we see this in this passage in verse 3. If we take into mind the zigzaggy roller coaster journey that the disciples have been on, we see in verse 3 of the passage, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. I'm going out to fish. And then we read following on from that, we'll go with you. The rest of the disciples that were there said, we'll come with you. And at that time, they needed that moment. It's really precious. Are we taking the time to stop? Are we taking the time to draw breath? To fill the tank? We often speak about spiritual disciplines in that. How to fill us spiritually. But I'd like to suggest that the physical is just as important. The Lord wants all of us. The physical and the spiritual are intrinsically linked in our walk with Jesus. Do not neglect the physical. It's so important. And maybe when we hear that word stop, we feel a guilt around it. Or perhaps we feel the pressure of what needs to be done. There's always stuff to be done. So take time to stop. Build it into your day like the disciples did it. They went to fish. Protect it. And we would love to pray if that is a struggle right now, to be real with that and to respond to God with that this morning. Click the request prayer button, even while I'm speaking. You don't need to listen to the rest of it. If that's for you, please, please, uh, we'd love you to receive prayer. So we have stop. We have Luke. I'm trying to read more in this season uh, and less of my phone and more paper, more of the paper. 
Uh, I wonder if anyone else is like that just now. And I used to read loads when I was younger. I loved uh, choose your own adventure books where at the end of the page you'd choose where you wanted to go and go to the next page. Uh, now, I, I want to give an example of a book. It's technically not reading, but it's still a book. You know, I used to love magic eye books when I was younger. And I'm going to put one up for you just now, an image, and, and take a wee second. You might want to run up to the telly right now. And it's that whole idea, if you look long enough, you will see the picture, you'll see the message, you'll see the text. And my mum used to have the book so close to her face. She'd like cover it, it would envelop her face. And she'd go, okay, 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 I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. Go, oh, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone. Or I'd wait for silence and then she'd go, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. And then it's gone. And then my dad would take it and try. Uh, really close to the face. You know, I see the disciples here. Jesus is at the shore in verse 4. And they didn't realise it was Jesus. We've seen this happen time. We've seen this happen before. In Matthew 14, 26, when Jesus calms the storm. I wonder why they didn't realise it was Jesus. Maybe they were too consumed in the moment, like the storm. The lack of fish was a concern for them. They've been up through the night fishing this thing that fills them up, but they're not getting any fish. They were concerned with that problem and they couldn't make out Jesus. Perhaps they were just trying to uh, process everything that has happened. I wonder how many of us are like that. We're too consumed in the problem, the question, the stress, that we can't see Jesus. It's like a magic eye book. We see the problem and don't see Jesus, rather than look to Jesus with the problem. Let me say that again. We see the problem and we don't see Jesus rather than look to Jesus with the problem. And I find this baffling in this passage. This is Jesus, son of God, risen Jesus. And verse five, he says to the disciples, he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Haven't you any fish? It's almost like, you know, I know a guy that could help you out here, guys. You have any fish? How funny. We see Jesus, water into wine, healer, feeding thousands, raising folk from the dead. Jesus, risen Jesus, a friend to these men. And we get the reply straight after when he asks that question. No, they answered. That's all he said. No, they didn't recognise him. They didn't even recognise his voice. They are his friends. They did life with him. I pray that we would never have a day where we wouldn't recognise Jesus' voice. Know his voice and know his face. To know him with us when it's barren and when it's empty and when it's dark, when there's questions. That we would know him in the valleys and the mountains and the illness and the debt and the pain. That we would know that Jesus is standing with us. Bring it all to him. He is there. Do we recognise him this morning? Do we know his voice? And you know, right now in this season, it's so easy. It's so easier more than ever to look and live in the problem instead of the promise that Jesus is with us and he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. Maybe he feels distant right now. Maybe you've camped up in the problems and the stresses. Maybe you can't even muster the energy to look up right now. Jesus is with you. We would love to pray uh, with you if you uh, feel that that uh, is stirring a response in you.
So we have stop, we have look, now we have listen. One of the first holidays Mary and I ever went on when uh, we just got married was to Tunisia. It was very interesting, you know, 43 degree heat and I was a salmon pink throughout the whole week with lots of freckles and I was missing my iron brew terribly. But I remember I was still in my impress my wife at all costs mode. Not that I'm not in that mode anymore, but it's maybe relaxed a little bit. Uh, so I had to make it look like I knew what I was doing at all times. And we get to dinner on one of our first nights and I get up to go to the buffet bit. There's chefs all around and there's shrimp there. Now, I'd never had a shrimp in my life. And the chef is speaking to me and Mary, I can tell she's going, shrimp? Why are you choosing shrimp? You know, I, I know that you've never had a shrimp. And she's telling me something and I'm not really paying attention because I'm chatting to the chef while he's serving me all this fish. And I get to the table and I look at this thing and it looks at me and I put the whole thing in my mouth. It's about that size. I put the whole thing in my mouth. Everything. The eyes, the claws, the shell. And Mary just stares at me. You know, she's mid-mouthful. It's one of those moments she's just like... <laughs> and I'm crunching my way through this poor shrimp. And... Uh, the table next to me, I remember the lady next to me just like staring at me as well. And I, I didn't listen to Mary in that moment in terms of her speaking to me about the shrimp. And I thought I knew best. She was going to tell me about shelling it. The extra plate that the chef got me was for that reason. I thought I knew best. Have you ever done that just to impress or to not show weakness or to appear better or to have it together? Or perhaps you don't like being wrong. Aristotle says the more you know, the more you realise you don't know. And this is a, a take-home moment for all of us, even though we're in our home. Imagine you're not in your home and you're taking it home. It's important to remind ourselves and to humble ourselves and to get over ourselves that we don't know best, but we know someone who does. We see in verse 6, Jesus saying, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. You will find some fish. Jesus is giving these instructions to seasoned fishermen. They are veterans. This is their livelihoods. They know exactly what they are doing. And they still at that point didn't know it was Jesus. But they listened. Something, I'd like to suggest something happened in that moment. There's a holy moment. They had years behind them. They lived and breathed this fishing stuff. But they were willing to listen. Are we? Are we willing to take advice from Jesus? Are we willing to get instruction over an area that we hold so tightly onto from the Lord? How do we react in those moments? I like the disciples' openness. We haven't caught anything. What have we got to lose? But when it comes to following Jesus, how many of us think we know best? How many of us think in this moment, in this space, in our Sunday space, in our small group space, in our prayer times, in our reading the word, in spending time in fellowship and praying for one another, how many of us think we know how it's going to go? Think we know what route it's going to take? And if we hear something different, we don't want to throw our nets over the other side because we like being in control. We like it the way things are. I know what I want. And I know how things are going to pan out. 
Control and predictability is our home. That's not following Jesus. And right now that control and predictability might feel a little bit like a safety net when everything around us is unpredictable. But that's not the Jesus we are to follow. We listen even if we think we know best. What might seem a bit strange or counterintuitive or countercultural, we pursue that as Jesus calls us into it. The Jesus I know uh, we follow, he has a plan. The Jesus I know wants to use me as part of that plan. The Jesus I know wants to disrupt me from the same old, from the boring Christianity following Jesus that the enemy loves to see us wallow in. The Jesus I know calls us to hold on lightly to the things of this world. Material wealth, cars, things, stuff. And to give away as much as we can to those in need, even right now. The Jesus I know wants us to listen to the calls of adventure. He wants us to surrender our pride right now. The Jesus I know wants our skills and our expertise and our knowledge and to throw them onto heaven to say, I trust you. Lead the way. I don't know best, but you do. To take a risk. I want to ask, are we listening this morning? Where have we to throw our nets? Maybe it's to do with our career. Maybe right now the Lord is pressing pause on a whole heap of stuff and he's wanting you on a new direction. Maybe it's about sharing with our friends, friends that we've journeyed for years, but we've never had the guts to share about the hope that we have. And we'd love them to have that hope. Maybe it's about giving away something precious. Maybe we see a need We know we have it, but we don't want to let it go. Maybe it's about praying for a work colleague. Maybe the Lord's doing something in your office and you know there's little glimpses and now is the time. What is he calling us to? Where is he calling us to throw the nets? What is getting in the way? And as I bring things to a close, I believe that we are in a throwing the nets on the other side season. Something new and something different. There's opportunity and we need to listen and we need to not be afraid as a church and as individuals of the different, of the change that the Lord will bring, but to embrace it. Jesus knows best and he is building his church even right now, even online. I'm just thinking I should have my coffee. It might get a bit cold. So we are to surrender afresh, we're to keep it simple, we're to look to him, we're to listen attentively and we're to get in our place. We're to get in our place. And then just to close, we've had stop, look, listen, think. So the disciples listen, they throw their nets over the other side and they realise it's Jesus and we see the provision. We see the abundance of fish, 153 of them. We see the protection in that moment. So they've thrown it over, we see provision. Then we see protection, the nets were not ripped. It says that in verse 11, the nets were not torn. So we see his protection. And then we see his presence. He goes and hangs out and he has breakfast with them. And there's a holy wonder, which I love. Jesus says to them, come and have breakfast. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread. But it says none of the disciples dared ask them, who are you? You can just picture that, can't you? They're just sitting around and there's a holy wonder. To close this morning, I want us to think. I want you to think of Jesus' provision. 
when he has provided you for you exactly what you needed. And you might not know Jesus this morning listening. Maybe you can think of a time where something has appeared which is blessed or reflect on this story, something that's blessed you or reflect on this story that we've read. What about his protection? To think of a moment when you know Jesus has kept you safe in a difficult season. It might be right now. And then finally, think about his presence. In this passage, he ate with his disciples. He had breakfast. I love that picture. He is with you, even at brekkie, when you have your Weetabix or your porridge or your pan au chocolat. <coughs> and instead of thinking about the last time that you felt his presence, perhaps you've never felt him near. Perhaps it's been a while. I'm going to pray right now that you would know that holy wonder. I'm going to pray that. that you would have a moment like the disciples do, did in this passage when they were eating breakfast and they would dare not ask who that person is. But they were caught up in the wonder of it all. You know, as I crossed that road as a 10-year-old kid, that was a moment. It was a bit of a moment. And my longing is that this would be a bit of a moment, that we would stop, that we would take time in our weeks, not just to slow, but to stop, that we would look at Jesus and not the problem, not the stresses, that we would listen, that we don't know best, but Jesus does. We'd throw some nets over the other side. What are those nets? Where are they headed? And we would think, we would remember the times of his provision, 153 fish, abundance. That we would think of his protection, the nets did not rip, he is with me. And we would think of his presence, he's eating with us at breakfast.